Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Our sixth series was all about the Doyen, and we spoke to some seriously impressive women. We loved all our guests equally, but we chose this one with our friend, Tropical Popical owner, podcaster, and activist Andrea Horn to share with you. Andrea is a woman of many wise words, and this issue is a joyous meeting of minds. Dare I say, we nailed it. Friend, entrepreneur, confidant, feminist, powerhouse. I'm a huge fan, but also um, you're a bit of a reverse uh, mentor for me. I'm mad about you, as you know. We're very close. There's so much to try and unpick when chatting to you. I wonder, should, because some people, believe it or not, may not know you, Andrea. And <laughs> we have listeners all over the world, we're delighted to say. Um, I would love to hear your version of your story in your own words. Just a little potted history of of where it started and where you are now. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> where do I start? Uh, so I am a Californian girl. Uh, myself and Brandon grew up in the same area in Kingswood. Uh, I left school and I went to college to do PR. And then I did my very best to get into a PR agency. I wanted to live like an ad fab life. I, like I was obsessed with ad fab. I was like, that's the job for me. Because when I was in school, I wanted to be a psychologist. And I didn't get the points. And thank the Lord I didn't. Because I would be the worst psychologist. Because I hate referencing and detail and admin and going into things. I'm a bit, I like it the bigger picture. So I went I got myself a job in PR, worked in Edelman for three years, then realized that I was too young to be a serious person. So I left there because I wanted to sesh and I worked in retail for, I think, about three years, just having lived my best party life. Uh, Very important, very formative years. And then I got back into PR and I worked in uh, youth marketing in Thinkhouse for 10 or 11 years a long time and again very formative got a very strong mentor there Uh, and that kind of shaped how I approached all the projects or business things I did Um, and so decided when my dad died that I didn't want to be selling things to people and the whole idea of marketing and all that kind of jazz so I wanted to do something that was in a service that provided a community um, and something that was specific to Dublin because I'm obsessed with the city and so I opened and I went traveling for a year came back opened a nail bar Tropical Popcorn in Dublin um, and we kind of think we, well, we kind of think we're more than a nail bar. So obviously what we do is nails, but uh, it's kind of provided um, a platform in itself to utilize this, uh, I suppose, platform that tar- that not targets women. All our, Most of our customers are women. Um, and naturally, so I was doing Trap Pop on its own for a while. And then I got very interested in women's rights and repeal and I started this other side project so I was, it was around the time of an election and Catherine Zapone came in with her wife to be to get their nails done and this our suddenly our group chat on Trop Pop changed from uh, glitter and crack into like oh my god how's Catherine getting on in the election and I was like this is mental that this small bit of exposure has made uh, mobilized all the girls so much into politics because 
uh, these people came to their space. So I was like, that's really interesting because I kind of noticed around the general election that all the coverage in women's magazines and uh, was about like, how are you going to have your hair for election results as opposed to talking about the issues that affected women? And I was like, I was like, this is the pit. So I sat down with a bottle of gin. And wrote a, pl- a PR plan essentially. So I went back to my PR reads and wrote a PR plan of how I would mobilize uh, these women to get more involved in politics and called it the Unreal Issues. And that kind of was around the same time as repeal. So I, I was like, the first issue, I wanted it to be like loads of different issues. And um, I was like, the first issue will be repeal. So you started unreal it kind of linked in with chop hop a little bit um but they were separate entities and it was about kind of making politics uh easy to digest and uh easy to approach accessible for people who aren't into politics and to get this army of women i suppose who aren't political mobilized to make women's rights issues a red line issue and then that's kind of where i am then we got <laughs> and then, what am I doing there? What am I doing there? I can't remember what I'm doing there. Podcast. I've got a podcast. So I started a podcast with Una Malali for in the run up to repeal called Don't Stop Repealing. It did very well. We really enjoyed doing it. So, and I got mobilized and politicized from that campaign. And uh, in a different way, I suppose me and Una approached politics very differently. And um, so we decided to do another podcast that was political. Um, in current affairs, but also issue based and based on the issues in Ireland that unite us and kind of trying to bring people together. And we call it 32, it was 32 counties, 32 questions. So we dive into an issue in each county that was relevant to everyone. Um, but now that we've finished all the 32 counties, it's like 32 counties united by people. So we kind of look at what unites us and what issues are uh, happening, be it like nature issues, be it uh, capitalism issues, blah, blah, blah. I feel um, it's really important to ask you for people who are fans of your podcast and also listen to ours. The podcast is called United Ireland. Do you both believe in the future of Ireland being united? Um, I think there is, like, we're, we're, we didn't do the podcast to be about United Ireland. It's not like, and sometimes we get followers who are like all about United Ireland and 32 countries and it's like, oh, you're in for like (laughs) when you listen to our podcast because it's not that type of podcast. Uh, Personally, I can't answer for Una. I think a United Ireland is coming down the road, but I don't think it's going to be a United Ireland. I think it's going to be a new Ireland. And if we are to uh, look at what a United Ireland look like, it means a breaking down of what we are as a country now to incorporate a different country and those two entities are going to become a third entity so we'll have to if that happens we're going to have to look at uh, creating a new health service creating a new education service so it's going to be breaking down all the functions of our country to create a new country and and the symbolism that goes with that in terms of like what our flags will look like what all that kind of thing so i think when we talk about a united Ireland, from our perspective in the republic a lot of the time people think we're just going to take these six counties into our into our bosom but that can't, yeah. that's not going to happen it's going to have to be a new format of- and interesting so we're both doing a master's in equality diversity and inclusion master's of business so it's with a business sphere on it and interesting for us which is coming up more and more i think sonia isn't it that actually the discussion around sharing an island with people who identify in a different way is actually where we are <laughs> right it's just this is going to be a big exclamation mark or an underline saying, okay, well, how do we do this? How can we share share our country or be part of a shared country? So it, it will be very interesting how that plays out because 
you know, just down the road here from me is a direct provision center. Like we are currently sharing our island as we as we are, but it's just not formalized. So I actually think Ireland, like repeal, like gay marriage, is actually stands to be really a beacon of hope of how you can share a space. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a very interesting times. Uh, do you do you think there should be a border poll when we're when it's due? Do I think I think it will help politically. Um, I think it will also be very inflammatory for a lot of people who yeah like, it will be divisive. So, like, I don't know what the solution to uniting the the two countries is. Is a board people who know a lot more than me would obviously know whether that is a good idea. I suppose. I think it's so. It's so scary to me, I suppose, of how emotional all of that is and how that can flare up so many um, people's anger and um, violence and all that thing. So I think it is a very, very cautious time. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I was having a conversation with a German friend of mine really really bright guy and he was we were talking about nationalism you know and the kind of if you like arbitrary nature of of nationalism like we you know we choose to call this this piece of land what we call it uh, but he was saying you know as as somebody who is you know definitely open-minded and and left-leaning he would never ever ever brandish or show a German flag he just he just wouldn't do it you know and I think we have a sort of a slightly warped sense of what nationalism is because of our own identity as Irish people you know it's part of the the good stuff we never see nationalism as a negative in a way you know and I think what you're talking about about that that third entity is really really interesting because I think that's actually the key to all inclusion and belonging. You can't just open the door, invite people in, count the heads and say, we've done it. You have to actually meet people where they are. Um, and and it, there has to be a sort of an inherent spirit of generosity around that, whether you're engaging with, you know, the political classes or or a different country or a different group of people, I think. A hundred percent. And I think when you look at like unionists, you can't just say, well, you're now going to have to change your whole defining features and what you see yourself as and come into our way of thinking. You can't just expect people to move over to where you are. Um, and I think if you're going to do have a shared island, you have to have a shared vision and you like that. That's going to be a very hard thing to do. But I think you have to get people on board with what you're doing rather than say, this is what you're going to believe and this is who you are now. You can't force your, I suppose, your perspective of what they should be. People are who they are and you have to kind of get on that. And it's the, it's, it's the whole notion of identity politics, right? So what, we're, what we all understand, particularly, you know, under a certain age group get, you can identify however you like, right? And so with that greater knowledge of even my nieces and nephews uh, understand that language of being allowed to identify as who you want, as who you, who you, whoever you like. So with that new awareness, I think there's great potential in Ireland for people to accept, people to identify how they are. The only problem is there's allegiance to a monarch and that issue means that they want to be identified with a, a monarch in a different, of a different of a different sovereignty and that causes the friction right so by its very definition monarchy is is flawed in that way although there's not much difference between a monarchy and a deity right so no, if people yeah, can, course, can worship course, yeah. different deities um i i guess they can choose who who that who that is you know oh there's loads in this but we're yeah. gonna have to take a quick break <laughs> take a quick break and we'll be back in a sec okay so i, I think one of the things that i 
I am really interested in with the work that you do is is about uh, mobilizing grassroots. And there was a phenomenal article in the Financial Times, uh, I was reading it yesterday, about um, using AI to to poll um, people who live in uh, conflict areas. So you can't you can't bring people in researchers in to find out what people are thinking in high conflict areas, but you can use um, machine learning and AI to ask questions and know wow. what questions to ask to follow on from those questions. And actually, interest we're both a little bit obsessed with um, uh, Taiwan and the model of governance there. Um, and they did it in they did it in Taiwan. They used uh, uh, there's there's quite a few new technology companies who are launching this um, conflict resolution AI. It's it's kind of extraordinary stuff. But I think what they were saying is if you go into conflict and, and so a select number of people are making decisions around what to do next, um, they obviously have a personal and political agenda. They're making decisions slightly divorced from what the feeling on the ground is. So they're using these people polls to craft resolutions. Like it's I think that's absolutely extraordinary. But I think the really hopeful thing about that is that people are beginning to realize that the answer is with the people. I'd love to get your thoughts on that (laughs) democratization of power. I am very, what am I very, I am very of the belief that the people in power should be running a society. That is, and this is one of the questions I kind of started asking when I went, started moving into politics a little bit. I And I, Una kind of was my oracle a lot of the time. And I was like, what do I think about this? And like, she'd like, we talk it out. And one of the things was, if you're a government, is your job to lead with you with what you think is right to bring a society along? Or is it to reflect the beliefs of the people and bring that along? So... I kind of struggle with that a lot of the time because if you look at for the likes of repeal, that people needed to be brought along because it wasn't the kind of overarching thing, even though from a human rights perspective, it was the right thing to do. So I think there is um, column A and column B of education and like the people being right, the people, who are the people? They're, They're all of us. But I think there has to be a kind of, a lot of the time, the people can be coming from a perspective that is maybe not uneducated, but doesn't have the knowledge. So I think you have to be cautious of, of when you're polling, is it coming from a place of fear? Is it coming from a place of what people have been told? Is it coming from a place of previous beliefs or is it coming from a place that is actually factually based on what the real perspective is? So I think there's, there is a column A and a column B and education and knowledge is very important. But also, people are very unengaged. People are often very unengaged. It doesn't affect their lives directly. They don't look. It's like the old Irish politics is flawed because the, the Healy Ray model of fix the hole in my road and I'll vote for you. But don't ask me to think of bigger issues. And that's just on the end of our nose. That's, what, that's a lot of what the problem is. So we have to put elective representatives who will make the big decisions, but they just don't seem to, right? And if you look at the Dublin Bay South election that just happened and... I was very engaged in that. I like I was obsessed with it because we come from a pandemic. There was nothing else to do, and then suddenly you had this big like show yeah. of politics. And we in one of my WhatsApp groups, we were kind of chatting about it and like all the kind of stuff that had come out and like oh my god. And I, I'm not going to rinse on anyone, but like there was uh, <laughs> facts about some of the candidates who had been in different parties who were very against what they were campaigning for right now, and it, we were like. There were so many people who were voting for that person because they liked their poster. And yeah. 
And the person in the WhatsApp group was like, I asked them, why were they voting for that person? And they're like, oh, I like their poster. And they're like, did you know about this and this? And they're like, oh, God, no, I didn't. And that was like, you forget how you can be engaged in something politically, but nobody else can care and just kind of take a top line. So you have to be cautious of the knowledge sharing and the kind of education piece that goes along with that. So that's kind of what really drove me for repeal is that at the start of it, it was like, yeah, I don't know. The girls were kind of like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, how do you break that down into something that brings that knowledge in a way that's easy to consume? And I think that's a bigger picture of what we need to do in politics overall. And I think politics is changing, especially in Ireland, in it's becoming more of an entertainment kind of branded oh, thing yeah. as opposed to great. Like in the past, it was like, I know personally, I felt very detached that it was like men in grey suits talking like really boringly uh, about things I didn't really know or understand or care to understand. Whereas now it's like people like me are now in the doll and people like uh, from my from working class areas are in the doll. That would never have happened before. There's people who are rocking up in their Air Max to the doll. And it's like, it kind of feels more representative and it feels that that it's more representative of issues that are relevant to more people. And I, I was on Twitter the other day and we were talking about clubs or whatever. And someone was like, we need more, everyone in the, in the, in politics now is like, people your dad plays golf with and I was like that's absolutely not true there's loads of sesh pigs in the doll and so (laughs) it is more representative and I think that's really important for a functioning country to have representation of across the spectrum and not just one type of person which has been for so long. There still is only um, is it 26% or 25.5% female representation in doll and that's the tip of the iceberg. We only have yeah, 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 yeah. We have one traveler woman. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. no people of color. We've no kind of. We've no loads of representation. So there's so much work to be done in that. But then you look at it and you're like, oh god, running for office it's so scabby. Like it's yeah, yeah, like milled for your. And when and, and you have to agree, right? So when you meet a sort of a couple of really you know the trailblazers who are in there now, the young women particularly, I'm thinking of as a woman from Cork, a TD, I love her. Uh, yeah just great you know and she's brave and brilliant and but you know on the sideline and she won't mind me saying this I said how do you put up with the shite and she's like well you you come from a debating background you come from this thing where you understand it's a job you put your cloak on you go into the job but it must be so hard it must be like taking the knocks constantly you know and I mean I I've like through through the work equal stuff and you know presentations in in the Oireachtas and stuff like that and I see the the party jockeying that goes on at such a petty level it's schoolyard stuff and it's really disappointing that these are our leaders and they can't lead themselves with honor you know what's what's party jockeying I love it (laughs) well it's 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 that you are are scoring points for the party against your opposition so you're not actually working for the for the common good it, it's driven by the party and 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 so that's that's an inherent flaw in how we govern this country at, at its very root but actually I, I was having a kind of an esoteric moment yesterday and I was thinking about actually spurred on by choice theory which I started reading and I was thinking about the rich list right we every year they publish the rich list the rich list 100% based on filthy lucre right and I would love to launch the alternative (laughs) money money right so 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 you know is that rich is 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 money on its own rich 
Well, now we're getting into redefining success, which is something I'm very obsessed with. Oh, I am. I am obsessed, right? So all the metrics in our systems are based on monetary success. This is so funny because the Phoenix did an article about me a few weeks ago. And it Go was, away. Yeah. And I, they were trying to tear me down or whatever. And, I, and they were like, and we, welcome to the club. <laughs> we were looking at the figures of Tropical Popcorn and things aren't so starry there because their profits were X, Y, or Z. I was just like, are you joking? We have a great life. We're all paid well. We take all the money out and pay our staff. So we're not driven to try and make profits for what to have on our bank sheet. And if you're taking that as like a a marker of success, well, then you're flawed as opposed to us who are actually living our best lives with a business that funds the lives we want to live. And it's very interesting because we had an article like that written about us as well. And we both giggled at it. It was so funny, wasn't it? It was like, oh, it's lovely. It's a rite of passage, you know, that they even care enough to write the article, you know. But, you know, I hate to put people in boxes, but I bet you it was a white middle-aged man that wrote that article, you know, and it's, it's, I bet you it was, you know, so it's that obsession. But look, the European Union was built just to, for free movement of money. That's what it's all about, right? So it, redefining success, I think, is the next big conversation. And, you know, it's probably swung a little bit too far to the left sometimes in, in, in a way that people are like, I'm just going to go and live up a mountain. Like there's a bit in the middle where you can contribute and live a, a sustainable, nice life. But if you were to say, say you were given a, a talk in, in you know, sixth year class, and they said, how would you define success? How do you define success? I define success as having enough money to live the life that I want to live and creating the life I want to live. And that doesn't uh, take into status symbols of money and wealth. That takes into being able to not have to worry about how I'm going to survive and be able to have the best day of my life every day. Nice. I love it. Love it. Love it. And and there's there's a website actually. There's two two sides. There's a website called Enough. Uh, Owen McGee and a business partner who started that a few years ago. So I was saying one time to Owen, like he he puts these financial plans in place and tells you how much you need to earn to be able to continue to live like this yeah. into your retirement. Right. So it's kind of scary. You need to earn ten million or something to mad right you're like oh for fuck's sake I'm never going to get there if I forget it but I was like what is enough like when do we know what's enough when do we stop you know trying to pull it in and he was like well actually funny enough we on the other side of pensions and advice we've done a thing called enough and we have a great fact don't we Sonia 70 grand enough so you can explain it go on I'll get it wrong well it's just it's based on on scientific research validated scientific research around um levels of contentment at different points of earning and 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 after a tipping point of uh $70,000 I think it is earning more doesn't make you more content and more happy so and and look I I did an exercise recently uh, somebody gave me a journal which said you know chart I was on a flight chart go back through your camera roll and pick out all the magic moments from the last 12 months they were walking swimming eating drinking laughing being with the people I love at the end of the day that's, a, that's really what drives us forward, right? Not the things, because the things in themselves don't bring us contentment. It's, it's, it comes from within or it isn't there at all. 100%. I think it's so about connection a lot of the time, apart from people who like being on their own. But I think it's the, it's the sharing. And if it is about stuff, it's the sharing it with someone else or whatever. And so I think we've been so, sold down a river for a lot, long time that accumulation is the answer to success and happiness. Is that like the sharing the champagne on the yacht yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
I was on 10 euro return Ken the ferry man to Docky Island now listen listen I'll be the first person to say that I actually am in pursuit of great wealth because of because first of all I think it'd be better with me than a lot of people than, that have it. And I think I'll be wiser with it and I'll give more of it away. And I mean, we have a, we have a beautiful vision of creating the Lennon Courtney Foundation for people with extraordinary potential and, 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 and changing the metrics for success and the metrics for entry into that club, I think. And I would like, to, I, I would like that we would work together to, to make those new definitions of what potential is, you know, instead of it being, here's my business plan, yeah 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 my, my <laughs> elevator pitch how many floors are you going to yeah <laughs> so kinda, okay it's time to that though i kind of thought it was really interesting back to kind of the party jockeying and stuff uh on the election that a lot of the time when people are voting it seems to be that those who don't have a lot are happier a lot of the time but also vote to for a more equal society and for a better world for everyone and that those who have vote to keep what they have self-serving yes a big part of what Sonia's doing in her uh, masters is about class and about the different privileged classes get and that's a whole other you know eye-opening world as well but the one thing I, I think we we have to mention is it's easy it's easy to think like this on this side of the fence 100 percent. Right? you know it's it, it, you've got to remember what queuing for your Prada shirt you know you've got to remember when that meant so much to you as a younger person and even one of my nephews is label obsessed and my sister's horrified and I was like Suzanne think about what we were like we were exactly we were worse we were borrowing money to buy labels you know so I think it's a it's a it's a journey into that awareness piece mm. but I wonder uh, just before we go to the magic wand and actually might link into it have I you wonder... seen Brendan's magic wand <laughs> of course no, <laughs> <laughs> she walked in at once. <laughs> uh, oh, you were at that party too. I remember yeah. now. <laughs> I wonder, do uh, you have any thoughts, and you probably do actually, around how you could short circuit that awareness for younger people to not be so obsessed? I think you have to go through your journey because if you don't go through your journey, you don't have the learnings and you don't have the mistakes. And it's the mistakes and the hardships that make you the person you are. And like, I've I've made mistakes and I've like had shit in my life that was really hard. Will I change it? No, because that is that those pieces are make make me what I am today. So I think if you don't have that formula formative years and and trying things out and seeing what fits, then you're just you're not living. There's no substance. I heard the most beautiful, I know we're way over time, but I'm enjoying this so much. Um, I heard the most beautiful analogy about that in that book, The Jewel of Abundance, which I recommended to you, which is kind of Indian yogic philosophy um, of uh, prosperity and abundance in, in its truest form. And the little the little uh, story was around um, the, the power of failure and how if, and obstacles and, and adversity, that if trees didn't have any obstacles to growth, every one of them would look exactly the, st- the same. So it's actually the obstacles that, that, that make them spin out in different directions and have their own unique forms. And I thought that was really interesting. It, 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 it's not stuff you can read in a book and, and know to be true. You have to, you have to bring yourself there, I think. Yeah. And I think then like if you go into life going, okay, these are, this is the path. And if your parents are like, this is the path you should take. Like you wouldn't have those twists and turns of things that like, if you look back, you're like, that wasn't a good idea, but it was an absolute. It was so much fun. 
on. Like, in retrospect, you look back here. That was that was very dangerous, but it was. Do you know that way? So it's, I think- it's kind of like you turn a corner and you're not sure you should have gone that way and you trip and you fall and you smash your tooth. But when you look up, the love of your life is standing there and you wouldn't have turned the corner, you know? But I have to ask you, okay, so magic wand, this is a bit where we give you a magic wand now, not wishes, a wand. You can change three things in the world. Now, what are they? Eradicate world hunger. <laughs> that's too general, I know. But uh, I would say... No, I... no, no, that's fine. For your, it's your wand. <laughs> uh, well, I would want to do that, but also I would like the people in power to be driven to make a society and not an economy so, and that the economy drives society and society isn't driven, isn't there to drive an economy would be my first one. And I think that would essentially eradicate world hunger if that was the case. I would, this is very Ireland specific, I would make a very large vacant building tax so that all the houses that we have, we have a huge amount of houses that lay idle i would have them back on the housing market so that would hopefully solve our that just that would solve our housing crisis um and get rid of would it would it like there's so many empty houses but it would have to be reliant on having people in power who are driven to make a society and not an economy who are allowing houses to be bought by vulture funds which was uh driving up prices blah 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 so they kind of interlink uh so i'd have a vacant property tax and I would have a society that caters to clubbing as culture and has a very rich nighttime economy that allows people to go raving. <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, you can have one of the wishes for yourself, but clearly that one's for you. <laughs> That's for me. That's for like, I would say the good, there's so much goodness to be found on a dance floor in terms of like, even if you look at the democracy a dance floor provides, that anyone who goes to a dance floor is there for one goal. It's like, the, it doesn't matter your creed, your race, whatever, that, that everyone's friends on a dance floor. Um, so, I think it's a really important part of society that's overlooked as as a frivolous or maybe a debaucherous thing. But I think it's a really important thing that drives creativity. It drives relationships, it drives businesses, it drives so much. And it's always shoved to the back and seen as an inconvenience to society and messy. And I think we need to open our minds to a bit more messy and fun as a priority in life rather than uh, being able to get up early in the morning. So the big question before we hand over to Esther for the biggest question of the week, it, it just sounds like you are priming yourself for politics, baby. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I could, really? I have too much of a past to be able to go into politics. I, <laughs> but, you know, I think the fact is you are in politics and Alva Smith is brilliant on this. You know, you can be political and you can maybe potentially have more power outside the halls by mobilizing and by by advocating. And, and listen, that's what you've done, baby. I think everyone is political, though, by their very nature, because life is politics. That's my last one. <laughs> life is politics. Well, you think it's your last line, but guess what? We've got Esther's question. I kind of continuing on from what you're talking about and, you know, what is success, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to include a link to your TEDx talk. It was so interesting. It's, it's really great if anyone hasn't seen it. You're, you talked about escaping the economy of more and and I'm going to include the link to the Dennis Glover book that you mentioned as well, An Economy is Not a Society. So I want to just, something that you said during it, that you shouldn't give up living for what you're going to leave behind when you die. Create a life, not a legacy. You know, mm. I, so I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was great. Do you, do you how, did that, how did that talk come about? Um, that talk came about 
because a it was something I was trying to vocalize for a long time uh, and that it was a, an inherent belief that I had but I didn't know how to maybe verbalize it and when I was asked to do that TEDx talk I just I think I remembered I was at the web summit and I was uh, bringing I was there's a, there's a founders event which is all the billionaires basically the the really 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 wealthy uh, founders who've started these companies and I was bringing them around Dublin so they're all from around the world and uh, so you're assigned a group of like 10 billionaires and you bring them to a pub and have the crack basically dream and I was talking to one of them over dinner and he was like yeah I, I live in my mom's spare bedroom I don't have a girlfriend I don't have time I don't do anything apart from work and I was like so what's your life and it was like I just focus on this all the time and I was like but are you happy and he's like well I will be when like this becomes the biggest thing in the whole world and then like everyone knows it and then when I die everyone remembers it and I was like you literally have given up absolutely every part of joy experience connection pleasure um, ex- and, and experiencing life for leaving behind your name that people will remember when you're dead and um, I was like do you not feel like you're missing out on the now and that kind of kept going through my head of like how can somebody give up so much for just glory when they're dead That's yeah and I remember actually I remember a time I'm, I'm not being indiscreet that you were being really pushed to roll out drop hop remember mm-hmm. and you were conflicted because of course the old fat the old brain is going 1980s 1990s brain is going oh my god this is a huge opportunity blah 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 and you just went no and that was the same time wasn't it you were like no I'm not rolling out I don't want it any bigger I don't want 100 staff I don't want to manage and that goes back to what my life when I say create the life you want to live what did I set trap pop up for it was to have the conversations with people in the shop to be a community hub and to have enough money to live the life I want to live and be able to take days off and like we only open at 11 we don't open on Mondays we like we we very much suit ourselves and it was like if you have investors to roll this out then you're answerable to them it's all about make reaching the bottom line as a, and suddenly it's like well you'll make money if you open on Monday but I don't want to but you have to you're answerable to someone else who's driven by figures and I have never been like and I am always cognizant of sounding like a really bad business person because uh, it's like <laughs> when you think about, I'm not driven by figures, but I still want to achieve things and I still want to be globally renowned and I still want to change the world and I still want to make people feel happy and I still want to do all the things that come from what a successful business does. And um, But that doesn't have to be driven by just accumulation and making more and driving up all the profits to the top of the business rather than sharing it out as a flat thing so I was like like you can look at Amazon's and be like they want to provide these services but the accumulation of wealth goes up and it really impacts badly on so many people's lives and that is not something that I would want to be part of and obviously you can roll out um, investment ethically and and grow businesses ethically and all that kind of stuff but it goes back to creating the life you want to live all the time. And you, I just, you, you have to have heard the, um, and, and we can cut this out because I may have said it before, but I, if you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. The, the tale of the Caribbean fisherman. Have you heard it before? No. So 
basically there's a, a, a billionaire sitting in in a you know seven star resort in the Caribbean looking at a lone fisherman on the shore with a fishing rod and he's catching a few fish so he goes down to the shore and he says to the fisherman you know uh do you you know do you catch enough fish what do you do with the fish he said I, I catch enough to eat and and I sell a few as well I sell the extra and he said well if you had a if you had a, a boat and you could take somebody else out with you you could you know get more fish and and you could make more money uh, and if you had a bigger boat you could take maybe five or six people out with you and then you can get even more money and actually if you had a trawler you could go out and you know maybe maybe you have like 50 guys with you and and you you, you make loads of money uh, and he said what would I do with with the money he said well you could do whatever you want he said but that's what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> if I had all that money I'd be sitting on the shore Fishing. Fishing. <laughs> and 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 you're the Caribbean fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, she's gonna love that. Carmen Without Miranda. The Maybe <laughs> after today. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our top pick from series six of the Leonard Courtney podcast. If you're thirsty for more, have no fear. Fresh new episodes are released every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss us. And follow us on Atlen and Courtney on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all our latest updates. Right.